A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Welcome to the DNA Airwaves. How are you doing? It is hot outside. People are melting. Cars are melting. Emotions are melting. I'm Matt Kesselman. We have Anthony Lewis here. We have Dariki Palmer here and lyrical wordsmith Desiree McKenzie. How are you? Hi. Hi. I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Thanks for stopping by. Lyrical wordsmith, that's powerful. Yeah, that's a that's a first. Thank Is that you. A first? Yeah, you gotta add that to your website and things. Lyrical wordsmith. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I'll wow. put Matt's name too. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you might you might as well tell us why Matt took the liberty creatively to call you that. What what do yeah. you do? Yeah. Um, I am a spoken word artist and uh, teaching artist as well. So I bring the art of spoken word into classrooms and different communities. Uh, but mainly, I perform. I write and perform uh, spoken word poetry. Beautiful. Yeah. AKA the wordsmith. Nice. The wordsmith. The yeah, lyrical yeah. wordsmith. <laughs> yeah, I like it. I like it. Okay. Uh, that is interesting to me. Um, how did you get into spoken word? Yeah. So it's, I like to say there's kind of a few different starts in my life, but if I started from the beginning, I'd have to say it was in sixth grade when a boy didn't like me back. Mm, um, battle rap. And, and You've all been there, right, fellas? <laughs> yeah. Hey. Something, hey, you know? Um, and something, uh, I don't know, something in me really, uh, I don't know, something about that whole situation made me just want to write. Um, and I'm not sure what it was, but I think that was also an era in my life when my older brother, he would be, he picked me up from school. And he would always have like hip hop music playing in the car from all different right. eras. Oh, yeah. And so I think there was something about hearing that form of poetry that made me think I could write something. Mm. Um, also, I think I have the youngest sibling complex in that like never really <laughs> feeling like you're heard or taken seriously. Yeah. Um, so things like that um, were, I think, what drew me to it and being able to kind of describe how I felt in a succinct uh, manner uh, right. was... Nice a big piece of it for me. So, so yeah, I think that's where it started. And then from there, it kind of would come up throughout school. And anytime I could write and do an assignment on poetry or something, I would. And, and yeah, it kind of evolved and blossomed from there. Now I, as a, someone that writes, I don't really write poetry, but I, I'm trying to write like song lyrics. Do you ever try and dabble into writing actual songs or do you just kind of stick to poetry and, nothing else like i'm sure mm -hmm. because you're such a talented writer you could cross over from poetry maybe write a script or write a song have you ever tried writing anything else other than uh what you've obviously made a career in yeah um i've tried music i think for me one thing is 
with writing music and especially thinking of melodies and things like that. That's yeah. where I think I get a little stuck. For sure. um, so I have so much respect for anyone who can not only put lyric, put lyrics down, but also think of like melody. melodies and make it make yeah. sense with the music and all of that. So I've tried it, but I think I just need to get out of my head. It's something I've always wanted to really, really get into. For um, sure. uh, but, but not, not as much as I would like, hopefully in the future, it's definitely something I want to try to do more, uh, of, but, but yeah. Yeah. And when was the first time you actually took your poetry to an audience and shared it? Do you remember that? And I do. I, was, I know my first experience with like performing my own stuff. Can you recall that and maybe just tell us a little bit about that first experience? Yeah, absolutely. I was 17. Um, I had started kind of writing poems on my BlackBerry <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I was writing poems on my BlackBerry and... Uh, and I had like just I was like I wonder what this po what this whole poetry thing in Toronto is uh, is like. So I googled like Toronto poetry events and this organization called Toronto Poetry Slam, um, which is one of the oldest poetry show organizations in Toronto. And right. I went to one of their shows, and it was funny enough that they do like an open mic and a poetry slam, which is like a poetic competition. Uh, basically yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. they didn't have any room on the open mic so they uh they asked me to just did you just want to slam do you have three poems you can use in each round if you make it to each round and i was like it's my first okay and i did my little oh, thing gosh. and it was it was a really cool experience and that's what kind of introduced right. me to poetry slams and the competitive element of performing your poems um but yeah it was just me and my blackberry when i was 17 <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's it that's cool. funny so that's usually so people come with their notes or what's usually um what do i call it it's probably the wrong thing to call it what is a complete show right is that because like, i know with stand-up comedians they come and they work out but then they have to memorize it after what what's expected of a of a live poet Mm -hmm. So in the, in the competition aspect, or like if you've been asked to just come perform? Both. Both? So in the competition aspect, basically, generally, most poetry slams are three rounds. Um, yeah, three rounds. Um, you have three minutes with a 10-second grace period in each round, generally. And uh, if you go above that, then you get points deducted. And it's basically random people in the audience wow. that judge you on a scale from one to 10 with one decim decimal point, basically. But uh, basically, yeah, you have to go in with three poems that you could potentially be doing if you make it to all three rounds. Um, and, and yeah, that's kind of the deal. And then if you've been hired to be like a featured poet, um, at a show and just to perform some poetry. It depends on how long it is. You just kind of need to prepare a set um, of, of poetry. Generally, my what I usually would like to do, and this is very much pre-pandemic before being right. in front of my computer for two years then, and performing poetry, but um, I would like to memorize my poems. It just feels better. It's better yeah. when you know the poem in your body um, yeah, and sure. you're able to just feel it and really know it. Um, that's the most important thing. Um, I think, um, but if you are reading, I always say, like, I recommend reading from a phone is okay, but sometimes if you're scrolling through it, you can get mixed up, whatever. Like, yeah. so I always like to have a notebook. I think notebooks just look more poetic. Yeah. <laughs> um, Phones look yeah. like you're checking your texts. Yeah, you very <laughs> well, very well could. By the way, in my mind, the closest thing that I'm familiar with 
uh, is stand-up comedy, uh, which is totally different. But what, mm. what I'm wondering about is hecklers. So with, with comedians, uh, even though they're joking, uh, or we hope they are, uh, some people take it upon <laughs> themselves to be like, no, you can't say that sort of thing, right? Um, does that happen? Because with poetry, it seems more sincere from the get-go. I don't think people come with poems often and go, that's not really me, that's just a poem. So do you have, do you experience or have you seen other people experience the audience just going like, this is not okay, or we don't like this, or just a straight up drunk heckle? Can I jump in with um, something real quick there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I've been to a couple uh, poetry shows and slams, and Matt, these people, the guests, the audience are the most polite crowds. There's like a set of rules, am I right? Like you can't even clap your hands. You got to snap your fingers. And here's a little <laughs> embarrassing confession. I never learned to snap my fingers. Just it's, I never it's had hard. a use for it. It's so, oh, you can't either. <laughs> Thank God, finally, somebody. So yeah, no, so I I'm can. Just, yeah. Uh, uh, she can, she can. You could have let me have that one. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Uh, are you allowed to? It's all good. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> this is, you got to be super polite. It's like, it's Right. Real respect for the art there. I just had to throw that in and embarrass myself. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. That's not embarrassing at all. No, and Anthony's uh, right. I think a big thing is, I, I can honestly say the Poetry Slam community and the crowds that mm -hmm. are um, are brought in are so loving and so caring. And like I've never really run into an issue where there's been a heckler unless I've seen some people go up and make a fool of themselves and say some ignorant <laughs> stuff and like, the minute right, okay. any of that, any hatred, bigotry, homophobia, um, racism, anything like that, the host will That's come it. up and be like, all right, you're done. Like Shut this down. Wow. security kind of thing. Like, um, oh, but one thing, okay. yeah, no. wow. so anything like quicker. that, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no, not, not, not a chance. Um, okay. but, uh, one thing, a big piece of that is even though, yeah, you're encouraged to snap, you'll get a lot of, mm, ah, maybe even people stomping, yeah, yeah. maybe okay. if they okay. feel what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if yeah. they, if they're feeling it, <laughs> I like to call it the, the triple combo, the snaps, the mm's and the stomp. I call it the triple combo. <laughs> <Wow>. um, <laughs> Gee, but yeah, <laughs> but, but it's good. And basically the host will encourage the audience to be like, um, We'll encourage the audience to like, you know, to sway the judges basically. So like show how right. much you love what this poet is saying. So the judges know that they're saying some real, some real stuff that really resonates and, and all of that. So it, it's very, it's a very, it's a different than comedy in that. It, it's a little less. I just less got an idea. Harsh. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we sample the stomps and the snaps and the ums <laughs> and make a beat out of that for slam poetry? Has that been done in I don't my think hat? they use beats. They don't use beats in poetry. I know. I'm just saying we could make one. That's hard. Sort of that would be well, cool. You know what the thing is? Because okay. I'm assuming you've worked with um, show producers and poets like Dwayne Morgan. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, oh, I yeah. mentioned him because he has, I think he does, he does the slams for sure. But mm -hmm. he also has another whole different vibe of poetry that he brings. Live shows where he'll have a live band. Sometimes yeah. he'll just be using covers. Okay. So we, I've been, I've been in the band a few times, and oh, sometimes awesome. we're just playing like covers of popular hip hop or R and B or whatever, and he's right, doing his right. piece over top of that. So there is a there's room for Matt's idea. Let's let's do something. I stand corrected. Man. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. That would be really cool. Get on it. That would be really cool. Snaps and stuff. I want to see that show. <laughs> that's cool. That would cool. be awesome. 
I love well, that. Let's uh, let's make it a field trip. I know the list is getting longer, but we'll we'll. we'll <laughs> He's got a few coming up. We're gonna have a whole compilation album by the time we're done. Yeah, right. That's awesome. Get our parents to sign the forms. The I want to ask you something. Album. Yeah. <laughs> triple, I like it. Triple threat. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was actually reading yesterday just about uh, practice and rehearsal and really preparation. And it was kind of geared towards, well, anything really, but more so public speaking. Um, and there's a couple ideas that were mentioned in this in this book. One of them is visualization. And it's kind of just like, either you close your eyes or whatever it is, but you just visualize yourself giving the speech, or in your case, I guess, would be reciting the poem or the piece. And another that was, uh, I guess, more popular, I don't know if a lot of people actually do it, but I'm wondering if you do, which would be practicing in front of the mirror and like making eye contact with yourself as you go through it, mm-hmm. which is supposed to kind of disarm those negative feelings that you have in yourself and get you, it said like, as you look yourself in the eyes, it helps you to be able to look your audience in the eyes. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. practiced that in particular, or do you have any tips somewhere that you use to get prepared? Yeah. So generally my sort of rule of thumb is to, and this is actually something Dwayne taught me funny enough. I've been, I've performed with Dwayne and we were on a poetry slam team together a few years ago and we actually won the Canadian um, festival of spoken word, which is really cool. I'm um, getting to do that, but, um, but Dwayne's rule of thumb, and this is something I've carried forward is uh, if you're able to say it three times without any stops, hesitation, comfort, you're just doing it. If you're able to do it, you're, mm-hmm. you're pretty set. But what the, the way I kind of do it is definitely one looking in the mirror is one like making sure you're able to look at yourself, see what you look like as you're saying it. Yes. Um, yes. The other thing I try to do is when I'm driving, um, well, obviously when you have to pay attention, but it should just be like muscle memory. You should just be able to recite it to the point where you're able to multitask right. and drive in the shower. Um, and then obviously that three times over thing. So once you're able to do that, um, that's important. But I also think, um, even though you can rehearse, rehearse, rehearse the biggest thing. And like, this is why I'm like, uh, a lot of poets have this thing of always writing something new for anything, but I'm like, but how will you ever get fully comfortable with it? Cause you'll never get as comfortable with it as you are when you've actually performed it in front of multiple audiences. Cause when you bring it in front of an audience, mm-hmm. it's totally different. It's a totally different thing. Um, that makes sense. And when you have people watching you and then you have to sort of adjust to like the little, little things you might tune into, like a person coughed or someone kind of, yeah made a face or someone looked down at their phone or like, I don't know, whatever, whatever it is. Once you get more and more used to that um, yeah, and yeah. you practice a poem more and more in that way, it's totally different. So that's also rehearsal as well. I would say. That makes good sense. Yeah. Yeah. So then on that topic, how long, what is the lifespan of a poem for you before you retire it? Mm, that's a good question. Leave it alone and work on something new. The lifespan of a poem, I'd say it depends. I think, uh, I think it, yeah, I think it really depends on where I'm at and in terms of how I'm sort of writing and how much that poem means to me sort of at that time, uh, I think is a big thing. But I'd say for me, the lifespan, there isn't necessarily like a, a number or a timeline. It's just more so when I'm like, I'm over this. Like that's that's yeah, when yeah, I know yeah, it's yeah. like, or when I'm like performing it and I'm like, I just feel like I'm going through the notions. That's when it's like, okay, 
this needs to need to switch things up a little bit uh i'd say um but but yeah it's always it's always kind of tough because once you learn it and you know it so well it's easy to just go and do it but then you also want to make sure you feel passionate about it and even though obviously to anyone hearing it for the first time it's like oh that's really cool or whatever but you also have to feel good and um feel excited about it too no worries bless you you will, you'll edit that out, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, or maybe not that I've commented on it. People will be like, what? What happened? Um, <laughs> edit what? Edit yeah, out yeah, that yeah. comment too, you know. I have the, okay. the, the power. Oh, you just, you're just going to cut me out completely, Matt? Huh? I'm just playing with you, my friend. Oh, is Desiree so gone? Oh, no, there you are. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was concerned too. So um, I have, I'm wondering though, because I've seen albums um, and like different recorded pieces of work. Have you recorded your poetry with or without music? Yeah, I have actually with uh, with music. I put out an EP of spoken word poetry and music um, in nice. 2020, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 20, 2021, oh, 2021. <laughs> yeah, so the pandemic nice. years, all, uh, all a blur. But yeah, in 2021, it's called Wet Hair. You can find it on all the streaming platforms. Um, I, uh, collaborated with a producer. His name is Roosevelt. Um, he's super dope and he made, he had a bunch of beats kind of, um, stored away that I kind of got to go and explore and, and work with and then sort of write based on those beats, which was kind of cool. Um, and then also I got to collaborate with my dad who is a musician. He plays guitar. So he actually, um, played guitar on one of the, one of the, one of the pieces. Uh, and yeah, that was a, that was a really cool experience just kind of playing around and seeing how the music would kind of enhance that more, but not like necessarily rapping or anything to it, just doing spoken word and having the music as uh, sort of compliment to, to it as well. It was, was a lot of fun. It was cool. Yeah, that is cool. Yeah. That's really cool. I, uh, I had a question. Um, early on, like, I don't know exactly when I saw, slam poetry really getting um i don't know what it is publicity i guess but it was really starting to pick up traction def jam had picked it up there was a lot of things going on in terms of just like the the poetry scene seemed to be coming out of the underground and coming a little bit more into the mainstream and now i don't really see that same you know rise or I don't, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, but it doesn't seem to have that same commercial popularity anymore. Mm. Have you noticed that? And do you know maybe if there was a time range where it started to go up and then back down? Because I might be a little off on my timeline, mm. but I do remember it getting really popular and then kind of plateaued and then it kind of got forgotten again. And I, I mean, I was a casual fan, so I'll, maybe you know a little bit more because you were deeper in the scene. But mm. can you speak on on watching it rise and then kind of watching it get stagnant again. That's really interesting. I've never thought about that, but honestly, wow. I think taking in it's, it's true because I think about something, something as big and as prolific as like a Def Jam poetry right. um, yeah. thing and having that be, wow, that's, that's, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, what might've happened is I think, Ooh, 
I just think about how big, like, I wish there was something like a Def Jam poetry thing that, that is that sort of big. And obviously in different cities all across the globe, there's poetry yeah, yeah. communities and different things like that. Like, for example, the spaces yeah. Dwayne has created over the last 27 years have been right. amazing. And there's people, yeah. there's so many people within Toronto who create amazing spaces for people as well. But like on a global scale, such as a Def Jam poetry thing where right. you see their YouTube videos and it's millions of views. Um, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think a big piece of that um, might be, honestly, I think it's gentrification, um, sort of taking the way in which something can be appropriated and sort of taken from folks who sort of originated it and right. grew the art form. Um, spoken word obviously being a black art form first and foremost, and it always will be. Um, but sort of taking that and appropriating it, um, I think is a, is a big piece of it. And we see gentrification in any city basically around the world. So I think that that's a big, that might be a big piece of it. Um, but, but also I do think maybe just the way we approach poetry is maybe different in, you know, before it, it was very much, you had to go and get a book, but now we, there's right. so many different ways to consume it. So maybe it's less that it yeah. got, smaller and more it's just there's a lot more spaces in which it can be consumed so i'd say Fair enough. ah yeah. yeah yes that's a guy <laughs> i'm figuring it out yeah, yeah. <laughs> so i think one gentrification but two there's a lot of different ways it can be consumed because you have spoken words still but then you also have people like rupee core who brought it to social media and yeah, now it can be true. consumed in sort of small spurts where you know like little things like that um and it looks really cute it has an aesthetic all of that um which is really special as well because i think that's great for people to be exposed to poetry in ways that they may not have other may not have otherwise been so i think it's probably a mix of those two things that makes sense and uh yeah thank you for answering that because i always wondered that and i i remember seeing guys like um oh what's his name black ice Mm. and saul williams and watching some of their poetry and that that stuff is powerful very very powerful and i was a big fan of black ice i don't know if you know who that is yeah oh yeah for sure he's really really good and i he was the one that really lured me into poetry in general because i just thought he was incredibly prolific are there any people that kind of got you excited about poetry the same way Black Ice did for me? Definitely. Um, when I really started writing, when I was like, when I wanted to go out and start performing, when I was about 16, I saw this video uh, by a poet named Sarah Kay. Uh, it's called, mm. I think it's it's a TED Talk that she did, but she also performed poetry in it. It was called If, if I Should Have a Daughter. And that poem, wow. like, hands down changed, cha- I would say changed my life because it really made me want to write. Wow, wow. Then there's also a, another poet named Phil Kay, no, no relation. Um, they've worked wow. together, but no relation. <laughs> um, Phil Kay, who's also an amazing poet, and he actually had a poem called uh, Hip Hop Lullaby that I really enjoyed when I was back in high school. It was an amazing poem. And then... Yeah. And then when I came to Toronto, when I, this is, I had done an exchange in, in school and that's what I, like I lived in New Zealand for a year, <laughs> random. So when oh, I say wow. when I came back to Canada, that's what I mean. And when I came back to Canada and started getting more involved in Toronto, um, the Toronto mm-hmm. Poetry Slam scene, I saw poets like Britta B., Joshua Scribe Watkiss, Patrick Debalen, people within the community and within the Canadian scene who were really, really making waves um, in not only their performance and their writing, but also in teaching and sharing the art of spoken word as 
something to share and as an outlet for other people. So I'd say it was it was poets like that that really made a big big difference for me. And P- and people like Dwayne as well who again right. created the spaces that I was able to perform in at first. Yeah. Gotcha. Speaking of teaching, you you said you were a teacher. How how does what does that entail teaching poetry? How, how what's your approach to it? Um Honestly, I think the one thing I want people to take away is that by no means is this just a poetry workshop. I like to kind of think of it as like just a thing to try. And even if poetry is something you never share at all and it's just something for you and it's just something you maybe write alone like that and it's just something for you, it's just an outlet for you, that's all it has to be. It doesn't have to be something. And even if it's something you don't feel like you're good at, as long as you're putting something down on the the page and expressing yourself, that's all that matters. And Mm -hmm. another thing that I try to express too is that um, workshops are not meant to, again, make you just focus on poetry. It's even, hopefully, these little prompts and these activities that we do might be able to inspire other means of you writing creatively. Or even if you're writing an right. essay or something, something it might spark something. Sure. It's just meant to sort of plant yeah. a seed in your mind. Um, so I think that that's a big piece of it for me, is just kind of focusing on that. Um, more than it being, oh, you have to write a poem right now. It's just planting a seed of inspiration that maybe you'll use at some point. So that's kind of my approach. That makes sense. Yeah. So, and what know. about um, techniques in terms of poetic devices, uh, the right and wrong way to use a thesaurus? Are, are these the <laughs> kind of things that, that you approach? Or... Uh, or is that something that you like to leave more to the artist when, um, you, when you coach someone? Yeah, I would say definitely I always try to... Literary devices are a big thing. And I think um, I, I, even though technically like you don't, that you don't have to use them to, uh, to write poetry, by no means do you have to... Like, are you married to them at all? Um, I think it's just a good thing to try and to learn as well to be aware of because again those are all things that can push your ideas further and that feeling you have or that that sad thing you want to describe or that happy thing you want to describe there are 10 more ways it can be described even deeper and then you even know that feeling then it makes you even know that feeling better and through those devices and through those sort of literary things that you can do um that's that's ways for you to even know that feeling deeper and i think it's also a, like a thing of introspection too, of how much deeper can you understand how you feel um, and talk yeah. about how you feel. So that that's I think is really important. Even though that's big, yeah. even though when I teach it, especially to like high school students or even middle school students, I know it can seem a little boring. But like that's what I try to explain is that these things are meant to help you dive deeper um, into how you're feeling, and then if you're able to describe it on an even deeper level, awesome. You know, yeah, that's huge. That's mm-hmm. Important. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to me because, I mean, you've you jumped into the spoken word space and I know that there's some other opportunities that have, I don't know if they've come as, as a result of it, or I guess you can talk us through it, but would you say that the spoken word community and the work that you do through teaching and performing has opened up um, other opportunities for you? 
Definitely. Um, I'm really, really grateful. And like, honestly, I, I have my, the people who have taught me and the people who have really taken me under their wing to, to thank for a lot of this and not only showing how you can sort of find other opportunities beyond teaching and performing um, in the spoken world, spoken word world, but also always putting in a good word or directing me to different, different things. Um, but, but yeah, no, definitely. I've been able to work with, uh, work with a few different organizations, not only teaching, but performing for them, hosting for them. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, I got to do a really cool campaign with uh, Clear Co Financial for International Women's yeah. Day. And I got to write home for them, nice. um, which was Beautiful. one of my favorite pieces of work. I've also been able to venture into voice acting. Uh, last year I did a, yes. uh, a voice spot for Home Depot. They had like this poem written and Nice. I was basically able to, to perform it um, and whatnot. And um, there's a few things coming up this year that I can't mention yet, but <laughs> but just like, um, but little little things like that. And also I've been able to, through, through different organizations that I've been able to get involved with, including Vibe Arts and Unity Charity. Uh, it was through Vibe actually that I was able to create my spoken word EP. And that also even took me into venturing into photography and learning how to use camera and playing okay, around okay. with elements of that to push my spoken word further um, with a visual aspect and everything like that. So there's a lot of different ways you can you can do it and different avenues that it's been able to, uh, that it's let me explore for sure. Nice. One thing I noticed was that you had also worked with not only Dwayne, who we know in the podcast, but Layla Day, you had commissioned a a poem for yeah. her album that came nice. out last year. Yeah. So it's such a small world that we have these connections and we didn't, you know, it's really, really. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah. Do you ever get writer fatigue or writer's block? And how do you kind of work through those situations? Mm -hmm. Definitely. Um, definitely. I think I think it's less writer's fatigue and maybe just like performing fatigue and that like sometimes you just okay. need to not not perform anything perform? for a little while i oh, think okay. sometimes okay. it can be yeah. or or when i know I, I noticed this happened a lot when i was very heavily doing slam is like i would yeah. just get really i would just feel really sad a lot um mm, which right, okay. came from doing the whole competitive thing and then slam i always right. say is a very fickle thing because i can perform one thing one night and it kills and it's amazing and then another night it just doesn't yeah, yeah. land and it just depends on the Falls audience flat, yeah. um yeah, yeah. so because of that like you sometimes need to take a break but i will say writer's block um one of my mentors scribes describes it as like there's no such thing as writer's block um because you at the end of the day like you always want to say you have something you want to say it's just you're not saying it in the way you want to say it yet and that's okay yeah. so i think the way for yeah. me that i navigate that is I, you have to just write something down. Even if it's just the bare bones of today, I feel tired today, I'm over technology, it's really getting on my nerves today. <laughs> Even if it's just right. something as simple as that, cool, yeah. awesome. That's totally fine. That's interesting. That's, that's amazing. Um, so yeah, I think you just have to write. Oh, and that's then, great advice. And then you sit on yeah. it and you let it let it breathe for a second and then later you can come back to it and be a little more poetic with it if you want. So, yeah. Or it's marinated long enough for you to be able to kind of actually articulate or write down what you wanted to get exactly. on paper. Makes sense. That's beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I really appreciate this. It's been really fun talking to you. I have to ask you this and you can decline if you want to. Yeah. 
I was trying to think of something silly to throw in before <laughs> my real question, but nothing <laughs> came. Um, would you have some, obviously you have something, would you mind sharing like even just like a 15 second, 30 second, 10 second sample of what spoken word sounds like? Absolutely. I can, uh, let me just pull something up here. And I can't, I can't snap. So I'll let my brothers take care of that at the end. I'll get ways. You're all good. Um, are you guys familiar with the show uh, Young and the Restless? Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this is something I wrote about growing up watching that show with my grandmother. Um, okay. <laughs> Everyone had to watch it. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So I had a universal remote of a grandfather. The first man I saw lead, the second one I saw lie, the fifth one I saw cheat, and the last one I'll never see cry. His grandfather clock voice filling our homes after school. Victor Newman voice soundtrack while eating granny's food. More jarring than a shh, it's time for my show. One that would watch me and all the other kids she would babysit. Young and the rest, this was the first time you ever saw two people kiss. The theme song like a jewelry box lullaby because we were so popper kids. A voice that carried us first generation kids with granddaddies back home or grandfathers lesser known kids with no thorny bearded kisses or lap to be bounced on no pot belly to hug victor newman was the other half of my granny's love so that's a little something i wrote about victor newman <laughs> i feel really I, i'm happy about that piece because it can't hear my yeah. stomp <laughs> thank you that's good thank you thank you that was nice Thank you so much. Oh, no, I gotta, we appreciate it. Okay, so I got to give a little shout out because I've mentioned this a few weeks ago. I ha- We have a super fan, Azaro, who hey, actually is Z. connected to you and who actually recommended you to be a good guest on the show. Having listened to all of our episodes, I could not, I had to not question him and say, obviously, you know what we're looking for. So <laughs> Thanks, I went with that. No, he dropped Thank a little, you, he dropped a few gems here. I don't know how true these are because he likes to... No, I'm just joking. He's a very honest guy. You mentioned that you are on, you were or are on some billboards and some ah. subway ads. Just tell, just, what's that all about? Um, so yes, you can find me on the Spadina Station westbound platform. Um, it's actually um, some artwork that I created in partnership with Vibe Arts. Um, okay. And yeah, it's been up. It's been up for a little while, um, but it's my. It's basically basically about my poem, "Coping in Color," which is about mental health for racialized people and some of the stigma and different intergenerational Beautiful. trauma we face. So that's kind of what that poem is about. So if you want to see the poem and hear the poem, um, it's copingincolor.com. You can check that out. Um, but also, you can find the artwork on the platform at Spadina Station. Very cool. Yeah. And you Beautiful. are you're a living example of exactly what we were trying to achieve, or at least a part of what we we're trying to achieve with this podcast. It's just showing people and sharing stories of people who have been able to make it in music and in the arts through all these different ways that a lot of people never even imagine could give you any sort of a, you know, substantial or sustainable career. So thanks for sharing your story. Um as we let you run, can you just let people know where to find you online, yeah. what you have coming up, and what they can check out and look out for? 
Absolutely. Thank you so much for creating this space and for your work and for having me. Um, and shout out Azara one time. Go check out Mighty Moose Shakes <laughs> at Good Life in Brampton. No, no, LA, LA. Oh, LA. no, he's going to kill you. LA. Oh, no, sorry, he's going to. He won't kill you because we just fixed just it. Shout out to all of Azaro. LA, you better go buy LA a t shirt now to make up for that. Exactly. I will. I will. <laughs> but yeah, you can find me at Desiree McKenzie on Instagram and you can see more of my work at Desiree McKenzie Poetry.com. Um, and yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Really Thanks appreciate for stopping it. by. Thank you so of course. Much. And, uh, yeah, we're adding this to the field trip and uh, we'll see you at a show. Yes, I love it. Yeah, <laughs> thank, you. <laughs> thank you. So thank you so much. All right, everyone. Enjoy. Take care. Bye. Bye. <laughs>